0: Isaiah 66, verses 12 and 13. This message is titled, Carried on the Hip. You'll understand after we read this passage. For thus says the Lord, and this is of course speaking to Jerusalem, His children there. Behold, I extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream. And you shall be nursed, you shall be carried on the hip and fondled on the knees. As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. Let's skip to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. From verse 6 right through verse 10, it says this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and may He exalt you at the proper time casting all your anxiety upon Him because He cares for you. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist Him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself perfect Confirm, strengthen and establish you. Amen. Last week we had talked about this message of connecting the dots and the the sovereignty of God we talked about. And how God was in control and that he sees uh, this larger than life picture of our lives, of history, of our world. And that we need not fret because God is not in damage control mode all the time. He's not this eternal divine firefighter putting out fires every single day wondering if we're just going to make it through another week. Wondering if we're just going to get by that. He looks at our lives from a greater vantage point. He sees things from the realm and perspective of control. Now, if you've ever seen a young child fret about a disaster that they're in, if you've ever seen a a person just in their baby infant stages of faith just kind of worried about the things that are swirling around in their lives and from a more mature standpoint, you can look at that and say, you know what, I see that you're going to get over this. You're going to get through this season. And you can look at the young child who is crying and in tears and you say to yourselves, just wait, You'll, you'll see, you'll get over it. And from an adult standpoint or a mature, mature standpoint, we can see that this is just a small little place. But even we in our adult lives can get overwhelmed by our careers, can get overwhelmed by the circumstances of our family or our personal lives And God, like that mature adult. He's in heaven looking down and saying, I, I see you. I'm not worried because I realize that these tears are temporary. I realize that this pain will pass. And He looks at our lives from a greater vantage point. That's what we talked about last week, right? In connecting the dots. Even though I don't see them connected, God does. That He sees the numbers, the sequences from each pit stop of our lives. And He's saying, I've planned this. I know it's not comfortable out here, way out in the margins. But I want this to be a part of the whole picture that I'm painting in your lives. That's where we left off last week. And I kind of want to pick up on on that particular note today. This first point that I want to say to you is this, that God sees the big picture. So so stay strong, right? And when we are living our lives and we have a faith in God who sees that big picture, there is this aspect of, of staying strong that I believe we need to remind ourselves. Now in our 1st Peter passage if you look there in verses 6 and, and 10 right it says humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God That He may exalt you at the proper time. Look at that. Piece that apart just a little bit. That we need to humble ourselves and that there is a mighty hand. That it's a hand that has a grasp on things. That That it's firm. That it's in control. That the wind is blowing but there is a firm hand on the stack of papers on the table and it's not going anywhere. That when our lives are under the hand of God there is a sense of security. When things are swirling and when things are uncertain, when we're in the bosom of God and He's wrapped uh, us in His arms, there is a stableness, a comfort, a peace, a confidence. And He's saying, humble yourselves under that mighty hand of God. Not the weak hand, not the inconsistent hand, but the mighty hand of God. We ought to stay there. Because even though we might not be exalted now, even though the hand of God does not lift us up in this season, that there is a proper time. that There will be a season down the line where God says, now is the moment for you to be lifted up. Now is the time for me to release these things in your life. Now is the proper time. So God sees the big picture. He knows that it's not yet or it will be. That is the vantage point of God. And in verse 10 it says, after a little while of this suffering, that God Himself will perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That when we read these verses, we realize that God is in control. We realize that He's not flustered by the circumstances of history or our lives, even our mistakes, our sins, our shortcomings, that all of these He sees in stride and as a part of the big picture this proper time, this humbling of ourselves. I think there's something that we can remind ourselves regularly, and it's this. God's never late. And we are disappointed by people all of the time, aren't we? That we expected them to show up and to be a part of something, but they, they came late. But when we see God, that God is a, a person in our lives a presence in our lives who's never late and that he sees the moment and he shows up exactly when necessary that there is an exaltation a comforting a perfection and a confirming in the right moment and this doesn't speak against that that me now culture that is so prevalent that I need it now, that it's in the moment that this is what I want and I need to experience this now. And yet God sees things and says, just hang on for a moment. I'm never late. I'll show up when it's the right time and I'll confirm it and I'll, and I'll, I'll do it. And a part of this proper time is what Peter said in being sober and standing firm, that when we humble ourselves under the hand of God, it takes humility to wait for the proper time, doesn't it? It takes humility to have the patience to say, even though I want it now, that God might not deem it right at this particular moment. And to be patient for that. And to, to stand firm in faith. To know, as what Peter says, the devil is is roaring like this lion. Now, I don't know if you like... Uh, National Geographic. I grew up watching that with my dad. I mean, my dad loved National Geographic. Those wildlife safari kind of documentaries, and and you know, it's kind of cool for me to be able to watch that now with um, you know our boys, and for them to kind of get a little bit of interest in that, and just to kind of see the lions, and they want to see all that stuff. And not too long ago, there was this um, you know safari documentary, and as I was watching this. Uh, It just talked about how the lions were, of course, were the king of the jungle, right? And it mentioned this, that they were the apex predator. And the reason why they called lions apex predators is because everything is game for them. And it showed this footage of a lion trying to take down an 18 foot giraffe. And I thought it quite comical at the moment. I mean, you're like this big and you're probably one-fiftieth uh, of its weight and you're trying to take this down because you think you can take it down. And a part of this documentary showed lions killing small baby mongooses as well as trying to take down huge Cape buffaloes. Right? And as I was thinking about that and reading the passage, that I realized, that that's, isn't that exactly the devil? That everything is game for the devil. That he will try to kill a small baby. And he will try to take down a giant of faith. That everything is fair game for the devil. That he is prowling. That he is waiting in the the tall grass. He's camouflaged there and he's waiting for an opportune moment. And he wants to take down the follower of Jesus if you have followed Him for a week, a month, a year, a decade, or many decades, that you are fair game for Him, that He is seeking to devour you. And and Peter is saying, I want you to humble yourselves, wait for the proper time of God, and as you are waiting there, patient in the Lord, I want you to be sober. I want you to be alert. Have control of your senses. Don't lose lose yourself in the moment, because I want you to know that the devil wants to take you down. That if you are frail and vulnerable, He's going to devour you. If you are firm and strong, standing tall, He will still come after you. So be sober, alert, ready, standing firm. And He uses this word, resist. Right, Resisting Him. It's not just about waiting for Him to pass by. That we need to actively resist the devil in our lives. And this is all a part of God seeing the big picture. It's all a part of uh, of our faith in Him. That He looks at our lives and He sees it from beginning to end and He sees how our life is a part of our generation. He sees how our generation is a part of an era or epic and He sees how epics and eras are a part of human history. He sees the creation of Adam to the consummation of Revelation all in one breath in one sight. And when God sees that big picture, we know that in the moment, even though we are vulnerable, even though we are in pain, even though we are suffering, we can be firm. That God has given us a strength and hopefully a perspective that's bigger than that. And hopefully we learn to look at our lives as God sees it. Hopefully we're not running around in damage control, firefighting mode, trying to put out fires every single day of our lives. And that vantage point of God it kind of rubs off on us. And we learn to look at disappointment, being unsatisfied, being in a season of drought, seeing disaster, and being able to not kick off that bull, to, to, to stand firm and to know that even though the devil gives me his best shot, that the Spirit of God is inside, that I can resist Him, that I can say no to temptation, that I can overcome sin. That these are things that God has enabled me to do through His Spirit and that I ought to resist. That it's all a part of the process of waiting for that proper time and just knowing that God sees this big picture. And verse 9, when it says, resist him, standing firm, we know what Peter is saying is that suffering is not the end of the the story. Verse 10 And after you've suffered for a little while, (laughs) isn't that kind of comical? Because when does suffering ever seem like it's a little while? (laughs) It doesn't, right? Suffering always seems like it's long, it's too long, right? Whenever we're in the moment, just discomfort for five seconds is too long, right? Being under a bad manager, being in a season of lack or want, of hunger, that these are seasons that seemingly, from our vantage point, lasted too long. That we want the promotion, we want the food, we want the satisfaction, we want these things to satiate us so that those suffering times pass. That's the urgency of our prayer and our petition to the Lord. But he's saying that after you've suffered a little while, after that is just for this brief moment from God's vantage point, he says the God who's called you, to this eternal glory in Christ. That God Himself, I mean, when we live in an era of these, you know, millionaires and billionaires that are just growing in number, and you have these top executives using their administrative assistants and all these other people to do the work for them. And they're comfortable in their chair behind their desk. That we have this grand divine CEO in heaven who is willing himself to come into our space and say, I'm going to do it myself. That I'm not going to ask somebody else. I'm not going to dispatch angels to do this for me. That as I see the child of mine in a moment and in a season of suffering, I'm allowing this and I will myself get up out of this throne and I will come and I will confirm it. I will establish you. I mean, how wonderful is that? That He comes close to us in that way and that He's not sending a representative or a messenger, but God Himself. He comes and He strengthens us. And this is how I kind of want to turn the corner this Sunday on this Mother's Day that God is not just a God who sees the big picture and says, "Okay, don't worry about it. Be patient. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this in your life. That God is beyond that as well. And the second thing that I'll say is that God feels. right? Not just God sees, He feels. That God feels our pain, our anxiety. And because He does, that we should have the confidence to cast every single care every single anxious thought and moment to him. I'm trying to contrast with these two points kind of these different uh, stances of the genders. I mean, this is of course a generalization, right? That fathers and mothers tend to parent differently, don't they? I mean, maybe that was true in your home. And if your parents were true to the gender kind of generalizations that fathers try to look at the big pictures and mothers are more the nurturing type. That fathers will let you, to, to, to break a bone, they'll come to you. But there's a saying that mothers will comfort you when you skin a knee. That mothers kind of see the moment-by-moment moment pain that you're in. And the father wants to teach you the lesson through that, but the mother will just comfort you there. She'll wipe your tear first before she tries to tell you why you're going through this. She comes close. and I want you to see that contrast here in our passage, especially in 1 Peter 5. That God is a mighty God, that He has a mighty hand, and He's saying, I control all of history. I'm allowing this in your life. Be patient. It's only for a moment. I'm allowing this. Be patient. There is a proper time, and I'm going to establish you. I will exalt you. And that's the side of God that sees the big picture. And it's, it's in a sense, a powerful, stern picture. It's looking at the child and saying, okay, don't worry about it. Buckle up, strengthen, resist, right? It's telling the child, be strong. You can do it. I know you can. I've given you the ability. I've given you my name. But there's the side of God that says, "I, I see you in the moment. Because isn't that what anxiety does? Doesn't anxiety grip us in the moment, in the present? I mean, think of the the times when we were anxious. Think of the the concerns that we had. It it grips our now, our present. It handicaps us. It, It brings fear and it just invades every part of our inner being. It brings doubt, shame, guilt. That's what anxiety does. And in those moments, we're not really thinking about the big picture when we're anxious, right? We're thinking about this right now. And in the moment of anxiousness, filled with grief and concern, God is just not there with His arms crossed and say, don't worry, it's going to pass, son. Hey, daughter of mine, don't worry about it. Just buckle up. The passage is saying that God cares for us and that we ought to cast Right. I mean think about casting you're you're throwing it away from yourself you're saying God I have this anxiety and actually I hurl it to you I throw it to you and with all confidence we can cast our cares upon him that God comforts us first before trying to teach us a big picture lesson you know I was reminded of this this past week. Um, As I've mentioned probably before, Jacob, he started soccer uh, this past uh, season, this spring. And he really loves soccer, right? Now he's six, so he's in U6, right? Six and under, like ages five and six. And Christopher's just a little bit young, being four, Right. So he can't be there. I mean, when I remember the first practice, he was always saying, am I going to be on Jacob's team? Am i going to be on Jacob's team. And he got like a hand me down soccer cleats from one of the other parents. And so he's all happy with his, you know, shiny orange soccer cleats. And he loves going to the field together with his brother. And the first soccer practice, he thought he was going to play with Jacob on the team. And i like, I didn't know how to break it to him. Like, you know, you're just a little young. They're not going to let you play in the league just yet for this season. And um, he was extremely disappointed at first practice, right? And uh, as it's gone on now, you know, it's a 10-week season. Christopher, he, uh, he goes to the practices together with Jacob every week. It's two practices, Monday and Wednesday, and there's a Saturday game. And uh, this past week, um, as he was there, uh, you know, I brought both boys. I'm like an assistant coach slash ref for, for this team. And... Um, Christopher was kind of there with his soccer cleats on again, and he was standing behind the goal, right? And it's practice, and so the kids are all just running around. There's like you know, half a dozen soccer balls on this little field that we've coned off. And some of these kids can kick really hard, right? And he's standing behind the goal, right? And so you know, one, of, one of the kids ca- came, and he was kind of practicing and shooting, and he kicked it, and it went right over the net. And it hit him right here in the shoulder, right? And he started to cry. And we just started practice. And so, you know, I'm kind of assistant coaching and I'm having to kind of direct the children. And so we like I'm thinking Christopher's going to have to play soccer next season or next year. Right. And so I'm trying to think, you know, wait, there's no crying in soccer. Right. he just got a kid right here. I as I saw it, it wasn't that hard. And I really didn't comfort him. I said, Christopher, no, come on, that's enough. Right. That, it wasn't that hard. Right. And uh, I said, there's no crying right now. You know, when you play soccer, there's going to be times when you get hit by the ball and you can't cry every time. And so actually, I try to teach him through that. And about 15 seconds later, Jacob comes and he kicks the ball again and he gets hit in the arm. Right. And he's just started crying more. And I'm like, "Okay, great. Now, man, I don't want this guy to be like this little. I I wouldn't say that. But uh, he's going to have to play soccer later and I want him to, to be a little bit tougher and so I, I was a little bit more stern trying to teach him that these things happen in soccer. That you're going to get kicked in the shins or the legs or, or the arms. That the ball is going to hit you. And immediately when I was kind of thinking about that, I said to myself, if Jenny was here, she would parent totally differently right now. right? She'd be down on the knees and probably wiping the tears first before trying to teach this kid a lesson, which I was doing. And I kind of see that. And I'm reminded of that through this passage here. That God is this mighty God that sees epics and seasons and allows us to go through and kind of stands back for a moment. And He wants us to learn. And He teaches us these big picture lessons along the way. And He says, okay, the devil's going to come. Stand firm. You can do it. You got it in you. The Spirit is in you. You got it. Stand firm. Resist. And there's other moments when he comes close, like this mother, nurturing, caring, concerned. And he kneels down and he doesn't try to teach us anything. All he says is, give me your concern. Give me your care. Your anxious thought. And in those moments we don't have to worry about, okay, now I'm gonna hear it again from him. I'm gonna hear it again. You know, I made this mistake, you know, I just I, I doubt it, or I, I slid back and And we slide down in this kind of divine couch. No, God's not there kind of reprimanding us. Be more patient. Be stronger. He actually comes close and He says, just give me what you're concerned about. Cast it on me. And He just comes down and with His thumb, He just wipes our tears. So yes, God sees the big picture. And so we can stay strong. But God also feels our pain right there in that moment. And so we can cast all of our cares. Before I end off this message, I want to talk about two two verses I want to give to you. And then I'll I'll wrap this up. In Ephesians 4, 6, it says, The one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. I want you to see the the different dimensions of God here for a second. That God is over, right? He's standing and He sees everything from beginning to end and He's in control. He says, okay, this is exactly the way that I want it. He's over it. But He's through it. That He sees it every single day. He's traveled it in the moment. And He's in it. Right there in that moment right there. I'm with you. And I want you to be able to see the bigness and the nearness of God. I want you to know that He is above all things, yet He's in all things. And one last thing that I want to bring to you is something that, that David said, right? Being chased by King Saul, in danger of death, hiding out in caves, and in fear of his life, and experiencing the deliverance of God, whether it be from lions and bears, and even from the hand of a mad king. One of the things that he says is this, 2 Samuel 22, that he sent from on high, and he took me, and he drew me out of many waters. Again, I want you to see that God is transcendent. He's above all things. That's a great big theological word, right? Transcendence. The transcendence of God says He is above creation, that He is beyond it, that He's not confined to it, that He sees the world and it functions, but He's above it. He's transcendent and on high. He's seated in that powerful place. And yet, this God that is transcendent above and beyond all things, He comes down into the picture, into the atmosphere, into the scene, and He sees a child in the water. And this God that was beyond the universe, the cosmos, and everything that we know to be reality comes into the moment and He takes the child out of the drowning waters. This is the imminence of God or the closeness of God. This is where we get Emmanuel, God with us. And so the transcendence is the beyond nature of God, the imminence is the with me nature of God. The closeness. And you need to understand both to have a right mindset in the Christian life. That God is beyond, but He is close. That He cannot be confined, yet He comes in. These are the aspects of God that I hope you can take close and keep close to you this day. And yes, God is like this father, but He is also like a mother in the passage in Isaiah 66, as you guys come back. Doesn't it talk about that? That I am going to comfort you like a mother. That I'm going to nurse you. That I'm going to carry you on my hip. And this is exactly where I end, and it's with two things. And the first is this, that I want you to always be able to look at your life in light of eternity that when you look at what's happening in your life, make sure through the lens, at the far end of the picture, you always look at your life in light of eternity. That what's going to happen in heaven, what God will ultimately do, how He will establish, confirm, strengthen you. Make sure that you never lose sight of that. That it's always in the picture. And the second is this, that God carries us. That He's close and that He cares. That He's the mother. And you know, wherever you go, In this world, first world country, third world country, does not matter. There is this iconic picture of the mom kind of with that kind of hunched over to the side and a baby on her hip. That picture is the picture that God's giving to us about how he interacts with us. And he's saying, I'm going to carry you right there on my hip. I'm going to put you there. And when you're on my knee, I'm going to bounce you around a little bit. I'm going to be close. Because I want you to know that I care that much. And so on this Mother's Day Sunday, may we be reminded of that, that. God is close. That we need not hold our anxieties to ourselves. And that we, with all confidence, can bring to Him every anxious moment, every disappointment, every sin, and say, God, I cast it upon you, and I know that you care. Amen.